Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we kick off our series on research by talking with Ryan Cornut, Senior Research Analyst at the LCMS, about how to assess, acquire, and use good data to help your youth ministry. Speaking of resources, here's a friendly reminder that Youth eSource is LCMS Youth Ministries' resource website. You can find Bible studies on a variety of topics, articles that discuss many issues around youth ministry, and so much more. All the content is doctrinally reviewed, current, and designed to be helpful in your youth ministry. So go check that out by going to youthesource.com. So we live in a world where we have access to all sorts of information at your fingertips. But just a quick search, you can come across data about all sorts of topics, including data about the church and youth ministry. Now, data can come from broad surveys, interviews, or standard information provided to denominations or the government. There are some great organizations studying the Christian church that provide us with insight into what people think and believe. And we can get insight from everything from the census to focus groups and beyond. Data is a tool we can use to inform all sorts of decisions in our lives and in our ministry. But not all data is reliable and honestly presented, unfortunately. Um, I think we've all seen that as you go on social media. Um, somebody will, will make a claim and you'll click a link and find that perhaps that isn't exactly what uh, the, the information the research had found. Um, sometimes data isn't as clear as you think it might be. Uh, the way research is conducted can change the outcome. And even once you have a good consistent data, it can be presented in uh, a, a lot of different ways, and that can make a big difference in how it's interpreted. Uh, it's important for us to assess the data we read uh, and to know what to trust and what we should read with some skepticism. We also want you to be able to ask good questions and get good, valid data from your youth ministry uh, to be able to help inform uh, good decisions that you make. Now, you don't have to do a big-scale research project to get helpful data from your congregation and teens in your ministry. Anytime we suggest, do, suggest doing debriefing with leaders or asking youth to give input, that's a very tiny piece of research that is giving you data to use. Or maybe doing a survey of parents or asking youth for biblical topics they want to cover is research. But in order for that research to give you good data to work from, you have to make sure you are approaching it in the right way. And so helping us to break this down more is Ryan Cornett. Ryan is Senior Research Analyst at LCMS Research Services. He has served the LCMS National Office for 11 years. He was the lead researcher for the 2017 Millennials and in the LCMS Research. And Ryan serves as the evaluator of the LCMS Youth Gathering and worked on other projects such as the LYF and Young Adult Volunteer Pool at the Gathering. Ryan is married to Christina and has three wonderful daughters. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Mark. Excited to, to get to talk to you this morning. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about the work that you do and what you appreciate about how data can impact the church. Uh, well, I think I think we you, you've kind of already described it well. We live in, in an information age and there is data and information everywhere. Uh, there are pie charts and and infographics galore on, on social media and on blogs. Um, and we can really use this as a tool for the church, as, you, as you've already kind of said. Um, what the work I do is, is, is on one hand, I take statistics that are already available, like 
uh, what our congregations and schools report to the roster. Uh, we have lots of statistics on attendance, membership, enrollment, uh, on church workers themselves. Uh, and, and from that, we can glean lots of information uh, just about the state of our church, uh, the state of our congregations, uh, and what's going on. The other, the other side of the, the job I do is, is I look and, and I try and get new information through surveys, um, through external research that's been done uh, by, by third parties, um, and, and in, in focus groups and in interviews and in other ways that we can get more information to, to get a more complete picture. Um, that, that includes uh, doing things like evaluations of existing programs, like for the youth gathering. Um, it includes major research projects like this young adult survey. Uh, and right now, even in this time of the, the coronavirus pandemic, we've, we've been scrambling to, to get surveys out to our congregations and workers and schools, uh, really so we can find out what's going on, uh, you know, as, as we are socially distanced and we can't directly observe a lot of things, um, the, the information we get from surveys really helps inform our district presidents our synodical executives or ministry leaders, and even fellow pastors and church workers on, on what's going on, what we can do, and, and, and how the church is faring in, in a situation like this. So data is extremely important, and, and using it to, to, to inform the church and benefit the church, is, uh, it's, it's a great passion. So I'm glad to talk data about that. Data that we give you, you mean like when we send you statistics, the Synod actually does something with that, <laughs> right? Synod. When we answer a survey, you are, you are the, the guy behind that that actually works with that information that we give. That's, that's right. That's what I do. Well, Ryan, I'm always fascinated both by um, either things you've helped us with or when you talk about some of the things you do more broadly in Synod is both like you said. It's amazing to see the trends that you can see within an organization like the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. So almost 6,000 congregations, plenty of schools, other pieces. But then also, I always appreciate how, with your experience and the data that gives you, you also get to see some maybe those more micro trends, too, within the data, whether it's about a district within a specific geographical area. And then you compare it with uh, economic data that's coming out or something like that. And you really do see these trends and these connections that help us ask better questions and evaluate it. So we're very appreciative of the time that you take and that you love to look at that because it's pretty pretty fascinating in an organization like a church body. And again, probably our little plug, we might say it multiple times, is please fill out those congregational surveys when they come because that accurate data is very important for us as we saw during the millennial research. Um, so so we should, you know, talk about that data thing. And, and Juliana said about this in the introduction too, that it, it should be able to stand up to questions about validity. So Ryan, what kinds of questions should someone ask or answer when looking at a piece of data? Um, there's, there's lots of things that we need to keep in mind. I think one of, one of the first and foremost is, is how was the data collected? Um, so often, especially on, on these, uh, these internet blogs or, or social media, you'll see something that, you know, it was from a survey that someone did on Facebook itself. And uh, that's not to say that that would be completely invalid, but, there's no way in that sort of format that you can get a controlled random sample um, of people. So, so it, it is the sample in some way biased. Um, another good question is, are there enough data points? Um, you know, 50 people, 50 responses to a survey does not do well to represent uh, the entire American country, <laughs> the entire American continents um, or, or the, 
even even an entire state. Uh, so, so are there enough data points to, to really make this this sample um, valid? It is who did the research uh, mm-hmm. is another good question to ask. Now, that just because someone works for a particular organization doesn't mean that they're inherently biased. I work for the church. I do research on behalf of the church. Um, but one one thing that is appreciated about my role is that I'm allowed to work fairly independently um, and, and can report on the results I get uh, without some sort of ulterior motive going on. Um, but a lot of times paid research firms are somewhat biased. Uh, and so you just need to pay attention. You know, what, what message are they trying to send or trying to prove? I think one of the biggest keys, though, is when you're looking at a piece of information on the internet, especially, is try to get as close as possible to the original source. Don't read a third party's interpretation, um, a, uh, a, a clickbait headline that kind of summarizes uh, almost to the point of changing the results of, of what a, a study has found. That, that's what often happens, especially you see it a lot with scientific and medical discoveries that they'll they'll put some catchy headline and then you read and the actual research qualifies that so heavily that the headline was ultimately misleading. So um, try to get to the original source and, and who really put that information out. Yeah, usually, uh, you know, once you've gone two or three articles deep, the, the actual information could be uh, pretty heavily skewed from what maybe really solid research would have saying in the, in the original piece. I always wonder, you know, sometimes age of the data makes a difference. Sometimes it doesn't, right? So census data, we only get that so often. So we have to utilize that over, over a longer period of time. But um, something like now, you know, if, if, if we're looking at data about say our concern over the impact of a pandemic from even six months or, you know, a year ago, that data might be dramatically different now than it, than it is, uh, than it was when it was first taken. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the timing, the, the, the amount of time that's passed, you know, we, we look at, we look at trends and, and it seems in our minds that, that the year 2000 was, was so recent, uh, right. at least for some of us. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, 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 but when you actually think about it, I mean, that's, that's two decades ago now and, and, and so much in the world has changed. And so, so they, information and, and trends that they can, they can change rather quickly. Uh, so, so having fresh data is, is absolutely important. Um, well, we even saw that with our research, right? I mean, but when we first started all millennials, everyone in their 20s was a millennial, right? And by the time we are finished with the book, we had to qualify that and talk about young adults, not necessarily millennials, because some of the people in our survey were in their 30s now, and um, some of our Gen Z had sneaked into that that 20-something category. And so, um, you know, even in that short amount of time, you can see how that the descriptors we use even uh, would change. Right. I think one thing that you helped us with, too, in some of our research was looking at just things even like the the visuals, the graphs, um, uh, how you lay things out in a presentation, too, so that there's consistency. And like when you're comparing data, it's real quick for our eyes to maybe make assumptions looking at graphs and to be able to really look at the details of what the scales are, uh, what the data represents, as well as, too, I think we, you know, 
Julian, I know, lifted up um, in other conversations about we changed some of our presentation on the research just because maybe the questions didn't mix as well. And it, we could tell from the audience it was causing uh, confusion. So even there's getting the data and then there's a the communication of the data, too, that can bring clarity in terms of what the research told us. And so you make sure you do that in a clear way that's not confusing to those who are going to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Every every chart, every graphic is trying to emphasize something. And sometimes in the way of trying to hone your attention in, they can overemphasize subtle differences that weren't really there. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not done intentionally. Sometimes it is very much done intentionally. Uh, you want to try and look and see is is are the scales are the are the is the presentation of the data done uh, to minimize that kind of uh, overemphasizing slight differences. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons we did our 2017 millennial research was to see if what we found lined up with other research we had seen in the Christian church. Um, we found our responses did, were very in line with what other organizations found. So how might you point uh, to other organizations that are doing good research uh, on the church and youth ministry? Who are you looking at when you're looking at other research? Um, there, there are a lot of uh, people and in, in organizations and institutions that are doing good research and looking into looking into the church, studying the church. Um, the, the Barna Institute is is one that most people are familiar with, and, and they do a good job of, of looking at a lot of you know top issues that are going on in churches. Um, the um, the Pew Pew Research is also. They, they have a whole wing devoted to to studying American religion uh, and, and they do they do great work uh, most denominations like the LCMS have a research office uh, with qualified uh, expert researchers who are who are studying these these trends uh, and then other organizations including Lifeway publishing has a particularly notable research group um, and they they don't just focus at Lifeway uh, is mostly affiliated with Southern Baptist, but they branch out much farther beyond that and study a lot of American Christianity. Um, and so we, we, we can get a great perspective from, from even a diverse sort of set within Christianity uh, of, of, of independent researchers and as well as uh, institutional researchers who are studying the American church and, in that we do often find a lot of similarities, um, we uh, cultural trends that get into the church uh, are often much bigger than even uh, the the basic the polity and structure of of the church itself. S such as our culture today is highly relational and pushes back against structure and and impersonal programming, uh, and we see that as sort of a, a a broader trend in, in American culture today that, that really plays out in all church bodies. And so everyone looks at these young people and they see, yeah, key words are real, authentic. And, you know, those are values that have replaced, you know, convenience and one size fits all. Um, and, and so that's, that's the kind of thing that, that has, that has less to do. It, it doesn't really step on any religious toes. Uh, it, in fact, in some ways, that might actually uh, be more in line with what what the gospel teaches uh, about being interpersonal with each other. But uh, 
it, it really is a broader just cultural movement that, that comes through the church. And so all these groups look at it and can, can see some of these trends. Absolutely. And that was, I think, one of those things that was really fascinating was, as we did the lar- larger research is to see some of those uh, trends that were, it was real helpful. I mean, I think to see in the larger church and youth ministry, young adult ministry too, and that helped even those churches who had seen some of that data that maybe we hadn't done specifically and said like, oh yeah, yeah, we're seeing that in our church. That's helpful to help us frame some things. And they were already maybe a couple of steps ahead in applying some of that stuff because there were some of those strong connections across all American churches. Um, and you can take that from researchers that others are doing. So that was, I know we were excited to see that, that like, all right, that's a great connection for us. And to be able to say that we see that in alignment with our LCMS churches. So part of that, when we kind of took some of that data and we put together what we called our, our seven healthy practices of youth ministry. And in that um, includes giving opportunities for young people to serve and lead. One way you can do that is by consistently giving opportunities for meaningful contribution. Our question is, how can youth leaders ask good questions that give youth a chance to contribute their thoughts and ideas to ministry? I, I would say the most important part to to asking a question is listening. Um, if you are not willing to listen to the full answer and really listen, uh, that that's different than just letting them speak, uh, but really listen. Uh, and and this takes time, but but they will build up trust to know you know you 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 heard them out, you respected their response, and hopefully even remembered it later on what they said. That will build up that trust to give to to help you get real answers. Um, if you're asking for decisions, be prepared to accept what they say and and act on it. If you're asking for their opinion. You need to show respect for what they say, even if even if you disagree, even if what they say might be factually wrong. Uh, giving them the respect to hear them out, um, and certainly not correcting them in front of the whole group, um, unless unless there is just some absolutely compelling reason that what they said was dangerous. Um, you know, th- let let them speak, let them represent their thoughts. Ask getting getting good feedback is about being a good listener. Um, if if they stop ask if they stop answering questions or if they start giving short answers, it's probably because they don't trust that they're being listened to, um, and, and it can take time to build that. the The other key is to always ask clarifying questions, and that's right there with being a good listener. Um, this is a great way to show that you're interested in what they say. Um, one one common tip when when it comes to asking clarifying questions is to avoid the word "why." Um, why sometimes feels like an accusation. You know, why do you feel that way? Uh, that 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 just can sort of be bristling. Uh, instead, ask for examples. Ask for ask for how questions or what questions. So, if someone says. Uh, you know, someone talks about their feeling, you say, you see, well, tell me about a time where you've seen that happen. Uh, or can you give me an example of what that might look like? As, a, in, as, a, as opposed to just sort of a, well, why do you feel that way? Uh, that there's, there's also nothing tangible to grab onto in a why. Uh, but if you, you ask, you ask these clarifying questions, you ask these clarifying examples, um, and you're, it shows you're really listening. It shows you really want 
detail into what they're saying uh, and you build that rapport and you build that trust over time. It's about it's about building up that relationship uh, and and then asking questions. Uh, I think the other key, the absolute other key is is don't ask questions where they obviously know the answer you're expecting them to give. You know, if 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 you sit in a room and you ask them, you know, who's your Lord and Savior? Uh, they they're all they're all going to tell you Jesus, except for the few that are really wanting to be obstinate. Um, and 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 that's maybe kind of a, a a too specific, too on the nose example. But I think the point is really if if they know what you're really trying to get out of them, they're just going to play along and give you what you want. So you really want to ask questions that that leave it open, that, that leave room for them to, to walk around in their thoughts and, and, and think through and not just give, um, you know, the, the sort of right answer, the church answer, um, or, or a basic answer. And if they give a basic answer, ask them to explain it with examples. Ask them to, to, to dig down and, and show how that looks in the real world to them. Yeah, I think when it, I, I love that idea of making sure that you're listening and you're asking those clarifying questions. Uh, for me, I was doing youth ministry. Um, I would always tell my leaders, like, we don't ask questions that we're not willing to act on, right? So, like, if I if I have a plan for what my curriculum is going to be for the next year, I'm not going to ask them what they want the curriculum to be. Um, unless I'm willing to throw that out, right? Like, unless I'm willing to act on that, really listen and let them give meaningful contribution and input. Make sure that they're they're I'm responding to what they say, um, then it's not helpful to, <laughs> to ask and then disregard that. Cause like you said, uh, it's just, it, it really, um, can, can hurt that trust factor that they have with you. Um, so that's a, a huge thing that listening and listening well and listening all the way through and then, and then making sure that we're respecting what they're saying. Really, youth ministry can benefit from asking good questions and responding to the answers. Uh, what are some ways that we can maybe ask or formulate questions to get good information from both our youth and our parents and our congregation in something like a survey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and again, not to repeat what we just said, but I think those, those are still the, the most important points is, is act on what you hear and, and listen well. Uh, but but when forming questions for for something like a survey or trying to get a broad set of information, uh, I think one thing that that people often skip over is is identify first what your your hypothesis is, what your theory is. Put put something down that you are trying to to test. Um, you know, if if you don't get an answer to to this particular point, then you know understand you I need to keep asking questions until I've answered my 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 hypothesis my theory um, and thoroughly test it you know I when when I'm forming a survey I think through well if if they if they give this answer what does that mean and if they give this answer what does that mean if if they give an answer that has nothing to do with the question I asked, do I, how am I going to re, reposition the question again? So, so anticipate all kinds of answers, even off the wall answers that have nothing to do with what you asked, because you will get that. It, it, in, a, in a discussion, it, it, you know, a focus group or an interview or just a, you know, 
in-person discussion. You, you may have to, to, to reshape the question for everyone, but even on a survey, you know, go in knowing that somebody is going to answer this in just the most strange way uh, that you're not anticipating. And, and you need to think through what does that mean? And, and think through what happens if your hypothesis is wrong. Um, so all the answers come back and you're completely wrong. What does that mean? Uh, think through what does it mean if, if, if you're right? You know, did, did you ask enough questions that, that they confirmed what you already thought, but do you now know what you do with that? Um, also think through what do you do if there's a perfect 50-50 split on mm. polarized issues? Mm. Um, that We've definitely, I think we've seen a lot of polarization in this country lately, the broader culture. Um, and if you were to do a survey on people's attitudes about the pandemic, and, and you'll see that the country is very divided, it, a survey isn't going to give you the answer you want. Um, so think through even, are there questions I need to ask to, to know what to do beyond just a perfect 50-50 split? Um, yeah, we did a lot of that as we designed uh, we designed surveys with you, Ryan. Is is Mark and I will will come up with questions, and then Ryan will ask us like, "What are you What are you trying to get us? What are you trying to answer here?" You know, and it'll be a long discussion about what is um, what is the information that we're trying to get at. How do we again formulate the question in a way that gets us to the answer that we want, and then how do we use other questions to kind of verify that? It's um, it's, it's a big, big thinking. It's not just asking simple <laughs> questions. You really do have to think through how you yeah. ask those questions. Think, think through what you really want to know. And then think through the ways that people are going to answer the questions to, to not get you to what you want to know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one, one thing where you're helpful for us too, Ryan, um, was you kind of mentioned this talking about how you read the research or the maybe the researcher putting out the information, but even when you're asking the question, is to ask the question in a way that you're not leading or to skew people if oh, yeah. you do it. So phrase the question the most neutral way possible. I know it's something you taught us um, so that people can share that honest answer. Um, an example we might give is um, of how it plays out if you're debriefing after an event and if you're looking for places of growth, you might ask, was there anything that we could have done to improve the event? And that question doesn't assume that it could be changed um, and it keeps it open to any part of the event. But if you got a specific question, like you might say, you might ask, how should we improve the food distribution? You are clearly going to set kind of some specific directed answers. And so there, that kind of assumes that something needs to be fixed, where the more neutral, depending on, again, what you're, like you said, what you're going after, even how you word the question takes a little bit of a craft and a little bit of time to be careful about. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and especially if you're doing if you're if you're asking a question, you need to think through: is is it possible that this question, what that the way I ask the question, or if it's a multiple choice, the way I've laid out the the multiple choice options, is that going to feel like I've created some sort of caricature of their mm -hmm. view, or or a straw straw man of their view? You really need to think through: if, is the way I'm asking a question fair to people of all sides on that issue. Um, and that, that can be very difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we are doing a survey now and, uh, and I asked a question and Ryan said, well, when I read that question, here's what I hear. 
And I was like, oh, that's not what I'm asking at all. Right. And so, you know, sometimes it takes a couple of layers of, of, of asking other people to kind of not just respond because you might ask a question that's perfectly valid. Um, but the answers, the, the op- options you give for answers or the way in which you ask it can really skew how people respond um, to, to what you're asking. And then that doesn't give you the data you need or want to be able to make a good decision. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, there should be no shame in having someone check your work before you right. send it out to everyone, yeah. you know, have them check for more than just typos. Do, 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 <laughs> do they understand the questions and what would they be able to answer if that was asked of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't necessarily have that person, certainly, um, both for the LIF poll and the YAV poll for our 2017 research, we gave just the questions and answers, how we formulated that um, to, uh, we put it up with the research so that you are able to kind of go through and you can look at how we ask questions and what kinds of answers we give and options we give um, that are all really helpful as well. So one thing we want to touch on a little bit, Ryan, is that all resource research has some limitations. Um, and we'll just be honest, what we're going to ask you, what were some of the limitations of our own research that we did with millennials? Um, and what should we be looking for in understanding and dealing with limitations in our congregational data, whether that's maybe what you see uh, just with rosters and statistics, but also when you see surveys done by us, what are some of those limitations that people should be aware of? Yeah, well, for, for, ex- for example, the biggest limitation in our research was we didn't have a direct sample of young people who grew up in the LCMS. Uh, we really relied on a on networking to to reach people, and and we were very fortunate and blessed to have been able to have reached as many people as we did. Uh, but but what that meant was we didn't have a controlled sample, so we weren't able we we weren't able to do something like quantify the mm-hmm. the numbers of people right. who left um, and and remained. And so 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 we we had to look at our data and say, yeah, you know it. The limitation means we can't draw conclusions in this set of in this column of 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 information and data, but we can. We did have a sufficient enough sample to detect patterns in in beliefs and actions once we grouped them uh, into into groups based on their responses. We could we could detect patterns. We could look at their experiences. We could look at their beliefs today, uh, the decisions they've made. So, so being able to identify, yeah, well, our data doesn't isn't able to speak to to how many have left and how many have done this. That was from at least the data from the young adult survey itself wasn't able to speak to that. But it does speak to to the personal experiences inside those situations. Um, and so looking at, at, at any data you you might do or data gathering you might read on the internet or, or or even try and conduct yourself, just be aware of of what it even has the ability to tell you and what it probably might not have the ability to tell you. Mm-hmm. Well, we invited uh, people who had left the LCMS to join focus groups, and we didn't have anybody who joined us for those things. Um, and so all of our focus groups were exclusively people who were active in the LCMS. And so for that phase of data, we had to be really clear about saying, like, this is just a small portion. I mean, and that works for in youth ministry, too. Like, if you're looking to know why somebody left and you do, you ask questions in person, but you're only asking the kids that are there, 
uh, you're not getting right. a full sampling of, of, and you might not get the information you wanted. I mean, I think we have a lack of information in some of that, partly because we just weren't able to get to the people to be able to ask those questions. Um, and you can be honest about that. Use what you have. It's still really helpful and valid stuff, but um, be clear about, you know, who you need to be able to be talking to, to be able to broadly generalize what it is that you're saying. Um, so once you have good usable data, what are some ways that you see churches putting that into action? Um, well, I'll say, I'll say to start off, you I don't think there's been a single time where I've completed a survey and not had the experience. Oh, I wish we had asked this one other question. Um, And and so, so one of the first things is, is, is I would say encourage as much as it's possible to ask more questions as soon as possible, you know, test your results. Um, If, if it's something that you've done with your youth group or with, with parents, you know, send, send them what you learned and, right away, ask them, is this what you were saying? <laughs> because they might come back and say, no, that's, <laughs> you Well, you, I mean, you that's what we did us. for the focus groups, yeah, right? Yeah. Was like, we had a whole bunch of questions that we said like, oh, we can see the data point, but like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, so 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 asking more questions is always good, and, and, but I think this also goes back to to what I was saying earlier about having a hypothesis. Uh, if if when you form these questions, it should be to test something. So based on whether or not that was true, you should you should already know. Be prepared to to know what road you're going to walk if if they say A or if they say B. I mean, if it's if it's decision making, that that's maybe more obvious. They they want this decision, and you're prepared for that. Uh, but if it's if it's you know more along the lines of attitudes and opinions, you know that that might mean having to 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 use some discernment. Do you want to you know work with those attitudes and opinions and 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 get them to to enjoy it more, or does this mean? you might need to do some work to try and reshape. Are these opinions that, that it might be important to, to apply some pressure to and, and get them to work with uh, so that you can, you can disciple and shape them uh, into, into people with stronger character or, or, or traditional values that it takes some discernment to know which, which path you're going to walk on these results. Um, But being and, being informed is an important part because it can hone your focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now you know where they are, and so now you know where to put your focus. Yeah, I was surprised as we could have we had a bunch of hypotheses going into our research that turned out to be not true, right? <laughs> and so sometimes um, you've made some assumptions along the way in designing ministry that uh, when you get good data back you go oh well that's that's not true um and then how do we how do we act in relationship to that that's really really helpful right to kind of think through how then that helps pick which road we go down next once we have that information yeah be be prepared to be wrong i mean be be prepared to have to let something go and and try something new yeah 
Yeah. And, and hopefully that helps us, you know, whether that's trying something new programmatically or whether that's, hey, this is a theological topic I need to really dive into so that they better understand it. All of that is good uh, and helpful stuff that helps us design healthier youth ministry. Um, like we said at the top of this, that is just tool, right? It gives us information that we can act on that allows us to then um, create uh, opportunities, educational opportunities, programs, other pieces uh, in, in ministry that help people better understand who God is and what he's done for us. So uh, we're going to spend the rest of this series sort of breaking down the data from um, our 2017-18 Millennials in the LCMS research, as well as um, our youth and young adult polls from the 2019 gathering. Uh, we hope that this piece sort of sets the stage for you in how we talk about information and research and how um, you can actively be thinking about how that's a part of what you do in youth ministry as well. Uh, some closing questions for us as we as we uh, end our time. Uh, how do you assess the data that comes across your social media and other places uh, in your email? Uh, how can you take a better look at what you see before you share it? Another question is, where can you ask good questions of your youth, parents, and congregation to help your ministry meet them where they are at? And finally, how can you move from knowing good data to action? How can you help your volunteer leaders use data to inform action as well? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as we look at good data to guide ministry and to get data from your youth parents and congregation uh, to increase the health of your youth ministry. Uh, good data can give us great insight and help you better raise up lifelong disciples. If you want to read more about our research with millennials, you can get the book we wrote on the research called Relationships Count for free at cph.org. And we will help you find that with a link on the show notes. End Goals Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church. <laughs>